This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. I'm Terry Strzok, host of Beauty Now, a weekly podcast where we bring you the latest in beauty news from the inside out. Check out our past shows, Dr. Paracone on Skin, The Three-Day Facelift, Eating for Beauty, Cooking for Beauty, Lasers, Lifts, Lashes, Lap Band, Weight Loss Coaches, Happiness Coaches, and much, much more. Today, I have one of my very favorite featured guest, Dr. Brent Mulliken, who's a board-certified plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills, and he's really qualified to give us the latest and greatest on what's new. Welcome back, Dr. Mulliken. Well, it's great to be back. Thanks so much for talking with us again today. You always have the best advice for us. And we talked recently, and you were telling us about the hybrid tummy tuck. Tell us about it. Right. Now, the hybrid tummy tuck is a tummy tuck for fit moms. And you know, after women have had their children, after they're all done, they often notice a bulge in their in their abdomen. And usually this bulge is both above and below the belly button. So when they go to their doctors, they often hear, well, we can do a mini tuck, which involves tightening below the belly button, or we can do a full tummy tuck, which involves a long incision, and then everything gets tightened. So Fit moms were kind of faced with a quandary. What do they do? They don't really want a long incision, especially if they just have a bulge and not that much extra skin. So that's why we came up with hybrid tummy tuck. And the hybrid tummy tuck is basically using a C-section type incision. You tighten the entire deep layer. So that's many people call it the muscles, but it's not really muscles. You tighten it from above the belly button and below the belly button. So that takes care of the bulge due to the loss of the fascia. Now, the fascia is the tight layer that covers the muscles, and that's what rips when women have children. So when that layer rips, it just literally causes a bulge, and many women notice that they, they bloat a lot after they eat, or when they're not watching themselves and sucking in on their tummies, they look in the mirror and they say, oh my gosh, look at that huge bulge. Well, it's nothing to be ashamed of because it's from children. You're so funny. That's, that's totally what women do. We do. We look in the mirror, turn to the side, and suck in our tummies. Right. And it happens to men, too, by the way, when they get, uh, you know, over 50. A lot of men kind of have that uh, middle age spread that affects their tummies as well. So, women, you're not alone in this. Men get it, too, just later in life. And, of course, they don't have kids. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that's, so that's basically what the hybrid tummy tuck is. So we go through a C-section incision, and if women have already had a C-section, which is as you know, becoming more and more common, we just use that incision, tidy it up, make it smooth and straight, because we're not in a hurry like the GYNs were when they were in a hurry to get the baby out. So we make it smooth and straight, and we go through that incision, we tighten all the way up and, and down the entire fascia of the abdomen, and then we take out a little bit of skin, and we're done. So that is what the hybrid tummy tuck is, and it's so mainly for fit moms. Well, how much would that run, then, as opposed to, like, if you need the real tummy tuck? What is the cost? You know, they're actually about the same, and, and they run, you know, with all costs around 12500 That's with operating room and anesthesia and everything else. So, you know, they're about the same as a full tummy tuck because they're actually much harder to do. And oh, really? Be, yeah. You actually, What's harder about it? Tell us what is harder about it. Well, in order to make... To do all the surgery through that small incision, you have to have special instruments, and it takes more time because you're basically looking
looking through a little peephole when you're doing the surgery instead of a full tummy tuck where you make a large incision, and that's a fairly easy procedure to do. That, you know, is done everywhere. But the, the hybrid tummy tuck is a little bit more difficult, so that requires, you know, special instruments and scopes to look through and to tighten the deep layer without hurting anything. Now, do you have to move the belly button, too, with the hybrid tummy tuck, or does that get to stay there? The hybrid tummy tuck does not involve anything around the belly button, unless women have a lot of loose skin around the belly button, and then we usually make another incision around the belly button just to tidy up that loose skin. But again, this is not for women with a lot of loose skin. You know, women who have gained 50, 60, 70 pounds during their pregnancy, they're for sure not going to be a candidate for the hybrid, and they'll be more of a candidate for a full tummy tuck or a modified full tummy tuck. So good news for fit moms that they could actually just go through their C-section scar if they have one. If not, then you make a small incision? Yes. If they don't have a C-section incision, then we make a small incision. Um, We can even do it through endoscopic incisions, so literally teeny, teeny incisions all over the abdomen, and those are enough to get the scopes through so that we can tighten that deep layer up. And I personally had C-section, so yay, I could be a candidate. But um, I I actually don't mind my C-section scar. It's pretty small. And if you don't have one, then you're saying you're going to make some incisions in the tummy, which I, I don't know about that. What do, you, what do you tell us more about that? You know, most people do not opt for the pure endoscopic tummy tuck because with that, you cannot remove any skin at all. And it's the rare person who has absolutely no extra skin after having kids. Most people have a little bit of extra skin at least or, you know, more depending on, you know, luck and genetics and how much weight they gain during their pregnancies. Now, your wife's been pretty open about her tummy tuck. Was this the kind of tummy tuck that she had, the hybrid? Yes. Dana, my wife, she's been very open about it, and she did have a hybrid tummy tuck. So we have two children, and now we're done. We're not going to have any more children. So that was the time for her to, to think about, you know, tidying things up. And because she was in good shape and hadn't gained much weight during her pregnancy, she was a candidate for a hybrid tummy tuck. So basically, we just revised her her C-section. And, uh, you know, we had the best GYN in town. But even the best GYN in town, um, you know, their, their, their incisions aren't always straight because they're in a big hurry to get that baby out. So time is of essence when, when the GYN is doing his work. So almost always there's some tidying up to do in ladies who have a C-section. Maybe there's a little overlap of the skin. Maybe there's a little, you know, the incision is a little bit off-center. Um, whatever. So that's the time to do it when we do the hybrid tummy tuck. And Dana did have the hybrid tummy tuck and we were, you know, she was very open with it. We were in People Magazine and, and uh, you know, in touch. And, and she looks uh, amazing. I mean, she, she's, and, it, you know, I'm sure the average woman is so happy that she came out and just told everybody that she had it done because it really inspired so many people. You know, it's interesting. When at, at work, you know, Dana was a host of Extra. Right. Helping show Extra for like eight years. And they told her, look, we don't want you talking about this because we want you to do, to look a certain way and we want everyone to think you're naturally beautiful. And then Dana thought, you know, I don't think that's true because we know all these celebrities are getting hybrid tummy tucks. They're not telling anybody. They're just saying, I did yoga. And maybe it's true, maybe it's not true, but she just wanted to be honest about it. And all her feedback that she's had from people has been positive. You know, we're so happy that you were honest about it and that you told us because you, you put yourself out there a little bit and, you know, and you took a risk. It's inspiring because, I mean, she is so gorgeous and it's, well, you know, intimidating to so many people, right? I mean, you and you look at celebrities like your wife and you say, oh, well, she's just naturally beautiful. She doesn't have to worry or she doesn't ever have to get surgery. So I, for one, really appreciated her coming out and telling her story. 
Well, you know, being a celebrity is a, is a tough thing because you there there are certain standards that celebrities have to live up to in beauty, and God forbid they have five extra pounds and they're walking on the beach, you know, then they're in. Uh, okay magazine or something with a with a horrible um, shot from them from behind in a bikini it's just terrible so when you are a celebrity the, you know people do watch you pretty carefully so a lot of celebrities do work out every single day they really watch what they eat and you know when they do need a little nip or tuck then they get it Right, and I mean, that's another example of Cindy Crawford last week and some magazines saying she has cellulite and stuff like that. I mean, more power to the celebrities that can come out and just say, hey, this is me, because they're all gorgeous anyways, and they're all really fit. And I think that that's the goal of the Beauty Now listeners. We just want to be fit and feeling good about ourselves, and surgery doesn't make you that way. I mean, you have to continue to work and do your exercise and eating healthy and just taking care of yourself from the inside out. So that being said, what else do you have for us? You know, you know just one more point on that. I think, yes. you know, we, we look at celebrities in the, in the magazines all the time, and women get this impression, gosh, if I worked out hard enough, I would look like that celebrity. And that may not necessarily be true, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I tell my patients, look, do your best. Eat your best. Work out as much as you can with your busy schedules and your kids, and that's who you are. And you have to celebrate that person once, you, once you've uh, arrived there. You don't necessarily have to go for something that may never be achievable, because then you're going to live your entire life being unhappy at how you look. I'm so glad you're saying this because I've done several shows in the last few weeks about just happiness from the inside out and things that you can do to make yourself happy. And and clearly we're not saying surgery is going to make you happy. That's the point of talking about this. Surgery is going to make you feel better about yourself only if that's something that bothers you. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And surgery is not for everybody for many reasons. And it may not even fix people's problems. If someone is just, you know, really heavy, then surgery is not the answer for them. The answer is do your best, you know, watch what you eat. If you can give up bread before meals, do that. If you can give up dessert after meals, do that. If you can, you know, cut down on snacking, do that. If you can walk every day, almost everyone can walk half an hour every day. And all these little things add up. Each of these things is like five pounds at the end of the year. And if people can just do that, then they'll feel much better about them to be healthier, of course, and less prone to getting heart disease and diabetes. Plus, you know, they'll like what they see. That's such great advice. We're going to have to take a little break to thank our sponsors, and we're going to be right back with Dr. Brent Mulliken. Thanks for the tips. Sure. Hi, this is Carrie with Words to Mouth an author interview talk show where readers meet authors beyond the printed page and win free books. Come join me each week as I speak with authors about their lives and the books they write. That's words to mouth at personallifemedia.com. Terry Stuck, host of Beauty Now. I'm back with Dr. Brent Mulkin. I'm on location today at 
Beverly Hills Peninsula, which has been treating me great. And so if you heard a little phone action back there, sorry for that. We'll try to cut that out. Welcome back, Dr. Mulliken. Well, it's good to be back. So thank you so much for the tips. I think it's all great, like walking and taking care of yourself. And, and people, women know this. And, and I asked you once about quitting smoking, and you gave great advice. They have some new drug, Chantrix, out. And, but how do people get motivated to do things to help themselves? How do you help your patients get motivated? You know, it's really tough to get motivated. Um, it has to come from inside, and there has to be usually a point when people feel, I've just reached my lowest. Look, I look at myself in the mirror, I feel horrible. I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way that's making me behave. And then something in them clicks, and they say, you know, I'm going to fix this. And then whatever it is, maybe they start, you know, modifying their diet a little bit. Maybe they stop, you know, eating snacks or eating the candy bar or eating, you know, drinks with, with uh, high sugar in them, like, you know, sugar waters or, or uh, Coca-Cola or just something with a lot of sugar in it. Maybe they give up, you know, bread or desserts and maybe they start walking every day. That's how it starts. It, it starts from inside when someone says, I've had enough and I'm going to change it. Because if you don't have that motivation, no matter what program you try, you are not going to be successful. So it has to come from inside. And it has to come from you. And and I find, for me, music helps. And obviously, if people are listening to this broadcast, they have podcasts and and an iPod. And, and I love my iPod to go out and just walk, too. And you don't have to walk far. You can even walk a couple times a day, 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there. It really adds up. And once you get started with this cycle, you know, it, it's, it's this cycle of good things happening in your life. Then more good things start to happen. So let's say you start walking, let's say, half an hour every day. So that means 15 minutes there, 15 minutes back. That's something you didn't do the day before, and now you've started to do it. Well, once you've done that for a month or two, then suddenly you feel all this new energy. And gosh, you know, maybe over lunch, instead of going out for a big lunch with the girls, maybe I'll go to the gym. Maybe I'll take another walk. Maybe instead of having a big lunch, I'll just have a small lunch. So all these things start to happen, and it like snowballs on itself. Uh, people talk about this virtual, you know, circle, this virtual uh, circle that happens, or virtuous circle, where you're just getting better and better and better because you've committed yourself to improve yourself in healthy ways, and the rest all follows from that. And plastic surgery for many people is, is part of it. They, they look at themselves and they say, look, I've, I've really done a lot of work now, but this one problem, whatever area it is, is just not responding. So what can and, I do and that's why I, like, I love interviewing you because you really are a, a doctor that I feel would turn away a patient that had unrealistic expectations about themselves or they, all, they look really good, but they don't see themselves as looking really good. Body dysmorphic, that type of thing. Exactly. And a lot of people, it's just a matter of education. They've seen, you know, magical transformations on television from someone who had, you know, literally $100,000 in surgery. Well, that's not for most people. For most people, they're just a, a thing, you know, one or th- two things that bother them most, and those are the things they might want to address. So surgery is not for everybody, absolutely not for everybody. No, and I think that, you know, when you're out and about and you just see people, you'd think that they would never want surgery, and I think that's what one thing Extreme Makeover and The Swan and all those types of shows did is that you see people as human and that it does, you know, if something does bother them. But when a patient comes in to you and they're, they're, you know, complaining about, you know, their mole on their face when they clearly have other problems, how do you approach that? 
Well, it's a tough line to walk as a doctor because someone comes in your office. The whole reason that people come into a plastic surgeon's office is they want to feel better. So you really don't want to point out things to them that, that, you know, they otherwise, you know, gosh, I was okay with my nose until I came into this doctor's office and he told me I needed to fix my nose. Now I can't afford it and I feel bad about my nose. So, and you have to be careful of those kind of doctors because there are doctors out there that will do that. Say, oh, you know, your nose or your breasts or something when they're just fine. You know, it's, I think that's very predatory to do. And I don't think doctors should do that. They should listen to their patients quietly. And they say, well, look, what bothers you? What bothers you the most? What is it you're here to see me about? And those are the things that the doctor should talk about. Not, I'm going to impose my standard of beauty upon you and tell you that your breasts are too small or tell you that, you know, your nose is too big. That's not right. It should come from the patient. They should be the ones to say, you know, this bothers me. And, it, and sometimes all a doctor needs is a clue. Like the patient will say, you know, I'm just not happy about my face. What is it about my face that, that could, <laughs> could be made prettier? And then, right. you know, then there's sort of an open ticket. And then you could say, well, these are the two things I think that would be the, make the biggest difference in your appearance. And, and that, that's the kind of doctor that you want to go to, not somebody that gives you a laundry list of things that you didn't think about. And also... You know, if you come in and you say, oh, my eye is sagging, and you're like, well, I don't really see that. You could do this. So I think those are the best kind of doctors to go to. And also, as we've talked so many times before, make sure they're board certified in, in plastic surgery, reconstructive surgery, not NOB doing breast jobs. Sorry, that's not something I think that is is the right thing to do because right. you want to go to a doctor that actually studied in his field to do the surgery on you because surgery is a really big thing for your body. Yeah, surgery is definitely a big deal, and that's a great starting point. So make sure that your doctor is board certified, and don't just go to one person. Interview several people and see who you click with and see whose before and after pictures you like and whose style you like and whose demeanor and bedside manner you like. All those are important because this is not a relationship that, that, that lasts just for the surgery. It lasts long after the surgery. Now, one thing many smart doctors have found, and those are the doctors who have survived through the recession and are thriving, is that you don't get your patients just from one-time surgery. You get them from them sending their friends in and then coming back for more surgeries, different type of surgeries, later on down the line. So it's a real relationship that you, that you form with your doctor. You know, so that's really important that your doctor has that kind of thing in mind, not just someone who's going to do a you know, breast augmentation for the lowest price in the city. That's, that's not necessarily the doctor you might want to go to. Exactly, and I sat next to somebody by the pool. They were just talking about the Botox and getting it watered down and the the best price you can get. And I'm like, it's not really about the best price. It's about, you know, if it's effective and if the doctor's giving you the correct dose. So I think those are all really good questions. You know, in today's economy, people are struggling, and I hear so many women going, I had to cut out this or cut out that. What do you think is the best thing that women can do right now if they want to spend some money on some surgery or injections or things like that? What, what, what's your advice? You know, the, most, the best things that people can do for themselves are absolutely free. And that comes as a shock from a plastic surgeon, but they're absolutely free. If you, if you just eat well, so if you eat, you know, lots of healthy fruits and vegetables and foods high in antioxidants and, you know, kind of limit your protein a little bit. You definitely don't want to eat a lot of red meats and you don't want to eat a lot of fatty desserts or fried foods. Those are simple things that 
every one of us can do, and it's not hard to do. It just takes a commitment to be healthy. So eating well will make your skin look better. It will make your weight lower. It'll make you give you more energy. It'll do more actually than even a liposuction. Surgeons can do more by themselves than they can do, than I can do for them in the operating room. That's, I mean, that is how important that is. And exercise. Every day, if people exercise a little bit, doesn't have to be intense exercise. Many patients have, like, let's say, a bad knee, or, or they can't, you know, they can't run, but they can walk. So just do whatever you can. If you, if you can't, you know, run, then you could walk, or you could ride the stationary bicycle, or, you know, you could, you could uh, go to the gym in whatever capacity possible. But it's free. You can do it, and it's easy to do, and it makes you fit, and it makes you, you know, thinner and look better and all that. And it's absolutely free to do. So, oh, such great advice, and and seriously, put on the music too. And just just walk, do something in your room if you can't get out. I mean, and really, if it gets that bad, you should probably try to see somebody uh, just to help you get your friends. Your friends are like the best mirror of who you are. I really think that. You know, I'm really lucky to have such great friends, and just call them up and have them walk with you. Get a buddy, do something, get out. That's exactly right. And when you do get married and have children, if that's what you know, you choose to do, don't give up on your friends because they're there when you need to go running. <laughs> that is for you know? sure. Absolutely. No. Don't just you know ditch them for the the husband because you know if things get tough or or if you need a workout buddy and your husband's off at work, then you know where are your friends that you just dumped. So you know never lose your friends. They're very very valuable people in your life. You know, I there agree. Are lots of, there are lots of other things you can do. Just a basic skincare regimen. Um, <clears throat> You know, washing your face and then putting on a little bit of an antioxidant cream and, um, you know, keeping your face well moisturized. And sunscreen is so important. People just don't use sunscreen a lot and they get very leathery skin, which is covered with sunspots and they're ugly and they're preventable. So what do you think? For, what do you do for the sunspots? Speaking of, let's talk about sunspots really quick. I see so many women right now with little sunspots. Well, the first step in, in making your skin good is to get on a good skin care regimen. And usually there are three or four steps in most skin care regimens. Most of the really effective ones are through your doctor's office. So go to your plastic surgeon, go to your dermatologist, and say, look, I, I'm really going to commit myself to getting my skin in shape. I, I don't like the sunspots. I don't like the, the wrinkles that are starting to appear. What can I do? So there, most of them have a good skin care line. I mean, we like the Dermastique skin care line. But there are I many, love that skin care line. Yeah, and there are many, many, many good care, skin care lines. Most of them you know, require that you get a little bit less sun than usual. So the reason for that is that the skin care lines, all of them, have the same principle, and they cause the outer layer of the skin to slough off, and that, and that makes your skin smoother. So you don't have all these layers and layers and layers of dead skin collecting on top of your healthy skin. You want those layers to recycle quickly, and when there's a lot of recycling and turnover of the cells, then your skin gets better. So those are all things that, that people can do. So basic skincare regimen, if, if, if appropriate, and your doctor you know, can prescribe it for you, Retin-A is good for many patients. And again, you don't want to combine any skincare regimen with a lot of sun because your skin is a little bit more sensitive to the sun once you're on skincare. It's worth it in the long run. You don't want to have a leathery face full of sunspots just because you want it to look hot when you're young and you tanned a lot. 
Right, and I would recommend the little L'Oreal towelette. We have nothing to do with it, but the little face wipe, and you just wipe it on your face, and your face looks tan. So then you you use your sunscreen after these Retin-A products, right? It's really important. Absolutely. So sunscreen's important, and that's that becomes part of your life. So before you go out, even for a day of shopping, you might not think, well, I'm not going to the beach. Why do I need sunscreen? Well, if you're in, if you're in a hot location, or, or even if you're in a, a cooler location where the sun's shining now, you're getting much more sun than you think. Even and, when you're driving. Yeah, even if you're driving, especially with the window open. I think the glass usually cuts down on a lot of the ultraviolet light, but, you know, some probably does filter through. We, we notice that many patients are older on their left side than they are on their right side, often by, you know, several years older on their left than on their right. I know. So, I was noticing little sun things on my left side and not on my right, too, and I think that's from driving. I'm going to be really good about the sunscreen. Perfect, perfect. And these are all free things, which in this economy is very important to find things that you can do that make a huge difference, but people just don't do them. They think, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put on the sunscreen. I'm not going to watch what I mean. I'm not going to exercise. Well, those are the three biggest things that you could have done. Plus, number four, of course, is give up smoking or don't smoke. Those, all those things contribute to bad skin, bad appearance, bad health, and it's all this kind of vicious cycle of letting yourself go. If you give up on one, then you give up on the other, and pretty soon, you know, you're eating whatever you want, you're not exercising, you're feeling bad about yourself, and they're all preventable, and they're all, to the most part, reversible, too. I was shocked to see how many people are still smoking in L.A., but maybe it's, you know, out-of-towners or Europeans, or I don't, I don't know, maybe they're not as educated about, you know, how terrible cigarettes are, and I, I can say this because my mom died of lung cancer last year, so I'm... I'm really, really against smoking, and I really, you know, see the difference in some of my friends that did smoke. It really ages your skin. Besides, if you don't care that if you're going to get lung cancer, it's terrible for your skin. Right. Now, a lot of the, these changes can be reversed, and now there are some new lasers out. You know, new fractional lasers are very promising. Um, you know, quick recovery fractional lasers, and many, many different co- companies offer them. Um, the CO2 laser, if done very conservatively, is probably the gold standard for resurfacing. Uh, there are IPL lasers and photofacials that can reduce sunspots that have already formed and reduce the little red veins that tend to form in patients who have, you know, the rosacea condition, which is a little capillaries uh, that form on the cheeks and the chin and the nose. So the photofacial helps with the little capillary veins and things? Yes. And more rosacea. I think the the photofacial is, you know, it's inexpensive. It's done almost everywhere. And those photofacials really, really help the skin a lot. And it's part of a skincare regimen. It's like the next step up after you get a good skincare regimen is you start to get photofacials and, you know, microdermabrasions are very good. They, they take off that outer layer. They, they actually thicken your skin and skin gets very, very thin. We know that old people have very, very thin skin. You can practically see through it in, in very, very old people. And microdermabrasion will, will take away a lot of these um, surface changes or these, these early signs of aging. It'll just literally wipe it off. And that's a, an important part of people who really take the very best care of their skin as they do microdermabrasions. These things are not expensive. They're not like surgeries. And you can so, get a package deal pretty much now because they're becoming more popular. And what's the difference between the silk pill and the microdermabrasion? Do you know? 
Um, you know, there, there are all sorts of proprietary appeals uh, you know, out there. There are millions of appeals, and, and they kind of all work the same by, by sloughing off the outer layer, and then depending on how deep the peel is, they go a little bit deeper, and some will actually cause damage to the dermis, which you want. You want a little bit of damage to the dermis, and those are the most effective peels, like the TCA peels or, um, you know, deeper glycolic peels, for example. Well, tell our listeners why the damage is important, because that might scare some people, but it's, it's really to stimulate collagen, correct? Exactly. You, you want to stimulate collagen formation, but here's a fine line. Here's a fine line. And you don't want anybody but a doctor doing these peels, in my opinion, because once you've, you know, you've taken off the epidermis, that's the recycling layer, and you, you've caused a little bit of damage to the dermis, now you're getting into, it's kind of a minor surgery. And these surgeries can have terrible, terrible problems if they're not done correctly and not done carefully. So, I've seen them, and I, and I feel bad, but that's true unless it's a very, very, very top nurse that the doctor will you know, personally assure you that the nurse is qualified to do these things because you, know, you want to make sure it's your skin and your face. Like we say with everything, you don't want to mess with your face. Exactly, exactly, especially if you have a different skin type. You know, people of, of Asian descent, Hispanic descent, African-American descent, they all have special problems with their skin that might not surface until they get that treatment, and then, oops, what can we do now? You have a complication, you have a burn, you have a loss of pigment, you have too much pigment forming in the area. And all these are, you, you can never reduce risk to zero, but you can go pretty close. Well, you just brought up something good. African-American skin, what can they do for their skin? Because I know that lasers are very iffy for African-Americans, correct? Yes, lasers are, lasers are a little bit more iffy. Some of the fractional lasers on their lower settings, um, you know, may be safe for African-American skin. Um, but in general, very light peels, you know, a skin care regimen, microdermabrasion, those things are generally safe for people of color. Because they can hyperpigmentate? Yes, anything that there there are people whose skin is just literally looking for an excuse to form too much pigment called hyperpigmentation or too little pigment hypopigmentation where where you get white spots on the face or to form scars. There are people who who literally they'll get a pimple and from that pimple they'll develop a keloid. And a keloid is a very thickened scar. So they're the most most sensitive people of all to any treatments. But even those people can have skin care, and even those people can have microdermabrasions when it's done carefully. It can actually help their problems in many cases. So, so you really want to be careful about, you know, especially if you have skin of color, uh, about the, you know, the person who's doing your, your treatments. And, uh, you know, be mindful that problems can happen even with relatively small treatments. Well, you need to do your research, and that's why a consultation really is important so the doctor can see your skin and go over a plan for you. Exactly right. So we are running out of time once again. I could talk to you all day long. You've given us such great tips, and we're going to have you back again. Well, and thank you. The, one last second. Um, tell us the difference between the hybrid tummy tuck and a real tummy tuck really quick. Really quick. Really well, the fiber tummy tuck is a short incision tummy tuck. It's sort of like a C-section, and it tightens the entire deep layer. So that deep bulge that forms when, when after ladies have kids, 
that can be fixed with a hybrid tummy tuck. And it's for ladies who, have, who are fit, who don't have a lot of extra skin, who just have a little bit of extra skin to be removed. For, for women who have a lot of extra skin, they really need more of a full tummy tuck. Now, the full tummy tuck is a much longer incision. It typically goes hip to hip. But when things are just hanging down there and they just aren't getting better, then a full tummy tuck may be just the right thing. And that's a good trade-off. Thank you so much. We're going to have you back again. If you'd like transcripts of today's show, please go to personallifemedia.com, and you can always find Dr. Brent Mullican on personallifemedia.com. We have links to all his websites, his past shows. He's done some great shows on breast dogs, tummy tucks, lifts, everything. So all the information you'd ever want to know is there. Thank you once again. We'll have you back. Well, it's my pleasure. Saw you shopping at the North Star Mall I hardly recognize you at all It wasn't until I heard you say hello I realized you were a girl I know You look completely different Than you did in 91 A total transformation Come on, admit it You had a little work done Had a little work done Holy cow It don't matter Wow, look at you now I kind of like it since you had a little work done Remember back in school we were drunk and we kissed And I pretended that you didn't exist You were a cute thing but you couldn't be The trophy girl I wanna hang it with me Gone from plain white bread to a honey bun. I think I'd like to have a taste now. Cause you're delicious since you had a little work done. Had a little work done, holy smoke. I noticed you a damn near joke. I think that we should get together for some fun. I think I want you now, you had a little work done. Had a little work done. All around the town In your red convertible With the top down I heard the beauty is only skin deep They call me shallow Cause you're looking mighty sweet I never fantasized before That you would be the one But now you're in my night and day dream You're sure amazing since you had a little work done Had a little work done Holy cow It don't matter Wow, look at you now How'd you like to get for some fun I kind of like you since you had a little work done had a little had a little work done had a little work done had a little work done had a little had a little work done had a little work done had a little work done had a little had a little work done had a little work done had a little work done had a little had a little work done find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com 